0: BLOB TALK RADIO Hey everybody. It's your girl, Cy Brown. Thank you so much for listening to Sayida Brown On Demand. This is my my dedication to the Lord and my personal audio series designed to just help you maneuver through life. It, you may hear in the back there's church bells, and this is perfect because today's show is about the case for God. And this is a topic that's been very heavy on my heart um, lately. And so, for those of you who have reached out to me privately, um, this show is for you, and, and you know exactly who who you are. This lesson is for you, and the church bells ringing in the back are just for you. If you if you can't hear them, um, I wish I had like a little chimer or something. You know, how you have the applause when you when you're doing a a recording, um, but it just really sets the tone and the spirit of where. Uh, I want to go today. So for those of you who have a Bible handy, I strongly encourage you to grab it. But I will be giving a lot of scriptures and offering a lot of scriptures today. Um, just It's just a word for due season, and, and that's all this is really about. Um, so on that note, let us begin today's lesson um, entitled The Case for God. And a lot of times when I do lessons or I speak publicly, there's always an element of truth from my heart, something that I've experienced and something that I have um gone through. Good morning, Curvy Queen. I see you in the chat room. So when I when I when I'm in the lab, in my studio, um trying to cipher to to decipher what's in my head and what is relevant information to bring to you. God just gives it to me. God just pours it out in my heart. And the beautiful thing about my mind that I have come to learn, because what I'm sharing with you today is something that I actually have gone through, is how do I navigate through life? My my first um, book, From Hip Hop to Heaven, really detailed my exodus from the hip hop industry and in trying to figure out what this God thing looks like. Because as humans and as people that are walking around the earth, we have... Um, a natural inclination to be drawn to certain people. And even in the space of that, usually those who have some type of spiritual connection, their vibe or their energy is a little bit stronger, and we tend to be drawn to those. But what I'm saying is this, it can be a Buddhist, Muslim, Christian, a Jew, any number of religions, Hare Krishna, it can be anything because when you're seeking people, spirits and energy will avail themselves to you. They will gravitate towards you and you may not even know why, but it's because your heart at a soul level is actually seeking something more and when I was writing the book in the you know, subsequently speaking and going around talking to churches and organizations just about my deliverance, um, I found what I wrote in my Bible. This all happened. My book came out in 2004. I spent all of 2003 writing it. And the the transformation really started, that I can remember, started taking place between 2001 and 2002. When I looked back in one of my old Bibles, I found a prayer that I had written to God written in August of 1999. And I'm like, hey, that's odd. And when I really put mental power behind it, I realized it was at that point that God started bringing, sending his angels and servants my way. It wasn't until I actually looked back And I cried out. See, your cry out for help doesn't necessarily have to be verbalized. It can be you crying in your house at night. It can be you saying a prayer in the shower, God help me. Mine was where I wrote in my Bible a little prayer to God asking for help. And the beauty of the Lord is that everything comes in a very subtle way. Very rarely, actually, I can't even think of one instance off the top of my head where someone can say, damn, this is how God worked. It usually happens in a series of subtle ways. And so here we are in 2011, and I look back, and I have uh, my life to look at and the lives of those I most love around me, and I really wanted to deliver a message that solidifies and and, uh, gets rid of any ambiguity of why there is a need for God on a deeper level in everybody's life. So I think when when we're looking at developing a relationship with God, it really helps us develop a coping mechanism through life. I have shared countless times how I've had several bouts with depression, now it's going down to my children, it was with my mother, and it was with my grandmother. And it wasn't until my relationship with the Lord deepened on a, a more than I'm going to church on Sunday and I'm saying my prayers before I eat and go to bed level, that I started to have freedom in life. And it really started with why I needed to be a believer, not A believer in the sense of I believe in God, you, you go to church, you can say your decalogue, you can say what you believe, you can give your statement of faith, and you can make your declarative statements. It has to go deeper than that. And I'm going to tell you why I did not want to go deeper, because it's very, very scary. It was very, very scary for me to want to have a deeper relationship with God, because, number one, it's so very personal. And number two, I don't know what it's going to look like in the end. And it wasn't until I had ultimate faith, I mean faith that God was really not going to steer me wrong, that I said, okay, God, I'm ready to go deeper. And as I started to go deeper, God started showing me more and more and more and more. And at each at each level, I'm like, oh, gosh, do I really want to go deeper? And I did. It was almost like, you know, I'm not a big movie person, and I saw The Matrix, don't laugh, for the first time about two years ago, (laughs) probably ten years after the movie's been out. And I am now addicted to that movie. And when he has to make that decision, do I want to just walk away or do I want to go in, that's really what this whole thing looks like. Do you want to go in or do you want to stay ignorant? And, yes, I'm saying ignorant because what happens is without God, we walk in ignorance. Without God, we walk in total ignorance, and we don't even realize it. And so once I decided to go a little bit deeper, you know what God did? (laughs) He took everything away from me, stripped me raw, stripped me naked, and stripped me bare. And I was like, okay, I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) This is not what I asked for. This is not what I wanted. I I didn't know it was going to be like this. You know, I went to the altar at church, and I said my prayers, and I'm saying, yes, I'm saved. And everything was stripped. And I'm like, you know what, this is some BS. Uh, I want to go back the other way. (laughs) I want to go back the other way. But you know what? In order to get where you need to go, you have to start fresh. You have to start in order to get where you need to go, that means, and I'm going to tell you how badly I was stripped. I had to pawn my laptop this was years 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 ago, I mean years ago. I had to pawn my laptop, my car was repos- well, you know, my car was taken from me, and to this day, I still do not know how my car was taken away. We had just moved back from Atlanta to New Jersey, and it was snowing it was a snowstorm had started, so by the time we had gotten to north Jersey um there was a few feet of snow So my husband and I parked our car And literally left the last bit of stuff That we moved from our house in the trunk We're like, we're not moving this stuff in a snowstorm Like 20 minutes later My neighbor rings our doorbell And she's like, Saida, and I'm like, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while She's like, they're towing your car Feel me now We're in a snowstorm My car had New Jersey plates With a legitimate registration And my car was towed In a snowstorm like, I had to look at it like, okay, God really just did not want me bringing anything from my past into where he's getting ready to take me. Because here we are many years later, my husband and I still laugh. We cannot figure out how my car was sold. But, it just, you know, when you're working in the supernatural, there's, you can't look for explanations. Sometimes you have to just take things for what they are and not ask. And so now here we are with no car. I have no laptop. I'm like, okay. I did. Now I have no other choice but to cry out for God. I have no other choice but to look to the Lord. I have no other choice but to go God's way. If you look on my Facebook profile, it says um, under religion, it said I listen to God as much as I can because my way is typically wrong. Amen to that. Saida's way does not work, never has, and I keep thinking it does, but that's pride. The beautiful thing is that just As you feel Everything in the natural Is being taken away There is a restoration Being set up for your life If you have your Bible Please turn with me to the book of Daniel Please turn with me to the book of Daniel Daniel is in the Old Testament of the Bible I remember in Sunday school They taught us the books of the Bible uh, In a song And so that's how I See, this is the stuff that sticks with you Even as you get older um, But yeah, turn with me to the book of Daniel Chapter 4, verse 34 So we're turning now to the book of Daniel Chapter 4, verse 34 And we're we're going to read about restoration Restoration is really uh, what The process that starts to happen Once you really realize You have nothing but God to rely on So feel me on this one in the book of Daniel, it's a story about King Nebuchadnezzar. And he's puffed up, you know, he's, he's royalty, and, and here's what happens. Starting from uh, verse 31, and I'm reading from the uh, New International Version of the Bible. And starting in verse 31, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people. You will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by, bef- uh, by you before you until I'm sorry. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. This is about pride. Remember, we're talking about pride, restoration, and belief here. Let me reread that. Verse thirty-one. King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and you will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what has been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like claws of a bird. Those two little verses, those three little verses, talk about being dethroned, being stripped of everything you own, being stripped of what you have, being stripped of everything who you think you are. So, you know, in in your own personal study, go back, we're reading from the book of Daniel chapter 4 about how prideful King Nebuchadnezzar was. Now, here's where the joy of the Lord comes in. Verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. And it continues on. His dominion is an internal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand to say to him, what have you done? At that same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for glory of my kingdom. Listen to this. At the very end of verse 36, it says, And those who walk in, his, in pride, he is able to humble. And at the end of verse 36, it reads, And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. I need us to take away something. <clears throat> As the Lord reveals in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar was very prideful, and he ultimately went crazy. Can you imagine? This is how I felt when my car was taken away. I had no computer, I had no I had nothing. God is going to knock you to your knees before your cold body goes into the ground. You better trust and believe that, but he went crazy. It wasn't until he said out of his own lips at the end of that time in verse thirty four I Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored, and then further down it reads, And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. The biggest takeaway from this verse as we continue in this lesson on the case for God is in verse 36, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. One thing that I did not understand is that when God does return to you glory and honor for the kingdom, for your kingdom, it may not look like it did before. And that is a big thing we all need to understand. Once everything is stripped of us and we turn to the Lord for guidance and assistance and help, you will be restored. I am richer now than I have ever been my entire life, and half the time I don't have two nickels to rub together. That is because what we feel restoration looks like is not necessarily what God feels restoration looks like. So now here I am. With no computer, no car Thoroughly pissed off Because I'm like, you know what I thought this whole God thing was supposed to look a a little bit better than this And I'm bumping into people that I knew And seeing friends that I had for so long And I'm saying, wait a minute (laughs) They they look like they're doing better than me God took everything away I'm going through this process of restoration But then I don't have anything My friends have cars My friends are going on trips my friends are going out for drinks. they like, oh, I can't do this. I didn't sign up for this. See, I always keep saying I didn't sign up for this because what I thought my life was supposed to look like did not line up with what God said my life was supposed to look like. For those that have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Bible um, in the Old Testament. So if you have a Bible that splits the Old and New Testament, go to the New Testament and just go back a couple of pages. The book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 17. Well, actually, I'm going to start uh, a little bit early. I'm going to start at um, verse 14. And again, this is in the spirit of God took everything away. I know I'm being restored. We just read in the book of Daniel how It wasn't until Nebuchadnezzar professed um, that that God is sovereign, that he was restored. And now that we're on this path to restoration and deliverance, we feel like we're being left behind because it seems as though everybody else is living better than us. Well, now here we go to the book of Malachi in chapter 3, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and the word of God reads as follows. You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evil doers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared him and honored his name. And the Lord's response was, They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them, just as in compassion a man spares his own son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. That scripture is etched into the frontal lobe of my brain because it serves as a constant reminder That the path that we walk May not be shiny It may not be pretty It may be tough But it says right here In God's Bible That says in verse 16 A scroll of remembrance Was written in his presence Concerning those who feared the Lord And honored his name They will be mine said the Lord Almighty In the day when I make up my treasured possession I will spare them Just as in Compassion, a man spares his own son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between righteous and wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. So it reminds me that, you know what, Saida, even though I'm on this path, that sometimes I'm really not that happy to be on, quite frankly. I can't get weary. I have to stay focused. I have to keep my attention focused on what God wants for my life and the lives of others. And at the end of the day, my faith tells me and the word of God tells me that God is not going to forget. And let me tell tell you this. Miracles happen in my life every single day, some big, some small. But it's, when I go back to the book of Malachi, Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, that say, you know what? I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. And unfortunately, we live in a very sensationalized world where we feel things have to be big and ginormous and huge and just splendid. and, you know, we want stars and we want stripes. But you know what? God doesn't work that way. Remember, we talked about that at the top of this lesson. God works in a lot of little ways. And until we get out of the sensationalized natural world and move into the peaceful world and the serenity of God's grace and mercy and presence, we start to appreciate the little miracles that happen.
1: I mean, right now,
0: favor is all over my family. 2011 has been a very, very challenging year for my family. However, I will share this with you. Every single day I get a constant reminder from God, either through someone talking to me, through something that I read, that God is on my side. And that I have to not look at what I think the other life would look like because, you know what, the people that don't follow the Lord, they're going to get it into. They're going to get blessed and they're going to get good stuff. But at the end of the day when God is like, okay, enough already, I'm on the list. You know how we have the VIP list and we have the guest list? I want to be on God's VIP guest list. I want to send a text message and get a response. I want to send out an a, a email and God hit me back. <laughs> That's what I need back. So in order for us to do that, we have to stay faithful and we have to stay on track for the Lord. One thing I want to share with all of you is in, in living with my faith in God and trying to understand my constant and perpetual case to have God as a, as a force in my life, it's all been about having a mechanism to cope. And it wasn't until I got out of the church culture and started seeking God for myself, however God looks to me, then I was able to start better being able to cope and my bouts with depression lessened. For those of you that have your Bible or have been able to um, get it very quickly, can you please turn with me to the book of Samuel? Again, we're living in the Old Testament today. The book of First Sam, Samuel. Helping me cope and having a relationship with the Lord gets me through life's challenges every day. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks when I was trying, as I try every day, to to maneuver through life is being able to hear from God and being able to discern God's voice. I'm actually going to be doing a lesson very soon, um, very, very soon, on on hearing from God um, because that's been one of my biggest challenges. Once God knocks you off your feet and pride takes you down, and then you begin the process of restoration, and then you make the declarative statement that God is sovereign, how do we hear from God when we need to hear from God? And so so that's a lesson coming up very, very soon. But for those of you who have turned to the book of First Samuel, we're going in to read from uh, chapter 3. And this is really about hearing from God and learning God's voice. The book of First Samuel chapter 3 reads as follows. I want us to pay special attention to... Verse 13, but I'm actually going to read the whole chapter, but verse 13 is where it sticks out. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. Here it goes. For I told him I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned by for sacrifice or offering. Verse 15 continues on, Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What did it, what that he said to you, Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely. If you hide anything from me, he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. This is a very, very powerful chapter in the entire 66 recorded books of the Bible because of this. It reveals how God talks to us. See, what it is is he had to hear it in a voice that was familiar to him. And as we go through our our process of deliverance and restoration, we need to understand that God is going to come to us in a voice that is very, very familiar. It's going to come to you in a newspaper that you read, in a friend that you speak with, in a TV show that you frequently watch. So that way you're better able to receive the message. Once he acknowledged, once Samuel said, Aha, this is God trying to get to me because the voice was Eli. He already knew Eli's voice. Once he was able to recognize That that God is going to come to him In a voice that he recognizes He said speak for your servant is listening He was delivered a vision And that vision was able to be uh, relayed to Eli That's how God talks to us So if we're talking about In today's lesson uh, We have to understand That there is a point of Pride Downfall Restoration And then staying in the wholeness of the Lord so we can hear his voice and have victory over our lives and be be able to have a solid and consistent coping mechanism so when life gets really difficult, we have something that we can lean on to make it through and navigate through each day. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word today. This lesson will be available um for download for those of you that want to listen at a later time and go into your more in-depth study. I am also going to post on my blog the scriptures as well as other information about the case for God. I hope the show and this lesson has been a blessing to you and for you. Um, And, you know, for all of you that want to go to the natural side and the front side, definitely hit me up on Twitter, (laughs) Twitter twitter.com forward slash Cy Brown. And always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do it, any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. I love you all for listening, and may God continue to bless all of us we learn to navigate through this thing called life together. Amen.